Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, Andy Farrell has named his team to play Wales here at the Viva Stadium in the Six Nations on Saturday. It's largely back to the team that started the win over France at the start of the month, except for one change. Kieran Frawley has been named at full back in the absence of the injured uh, Hugo Keenan and the uncapped Ollie Yeager is on the bench. We're also back to a 6-2 bench split. Roy O'Connor and Keen Tracy are here with me, Sinead Kazan. What do you make of that team, lads? Yeah, it's probably um, affording Wales a respect they potentially don't deserve. Um, I mean, I think Andy Farrell could have shaken things up a little bit as well and maybe retained some of the players who did well against Italy, but possibly the, the spectre of Warren Gatland coming over the hills, possibly the fact that he wants to get some rhythm into this team ahead of the trip to Twickenham in two weeks' time. He's gone with the strongest possible team that was available to him, and you can debate whether Kieran Frawley is the right man for 15, but other than that, this team... Has you know who who went to Marseille and performed so well have earned the right to go again for a big game at home and and having shaken things up against Italy and and made those changes he now kind of goes back to that six two split so he rewards a lot of the players who did well in the Italy game by a place with a place in the bench and uh, I don't think it will be, will be received particularly well in Wales I'd say that's the kind of team that you would look at and, and gulp a little bit because it's it's formidable um, and then he just changes things up slightly by putting Jaeger on the bench you know six games into his Munster career having gone and gotten them back from from New Zealand you know that was a it was a shrewd piece of business by the IRFU and Munster and we, I think he's impressed a lot of people in Ireland since he, in the Ireland setup since he came in over in Portugal, and now he gets his cap, he gets his chance to back up Tyke Furlong, and like he's a debutant, but he's a 28 year old with his five Super Rugby titles under his belt, so you're you're not really taking a chance on this fella. He has a lot going for him already, so it's a powerful big bench backing up a powerful big team, and um, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a matter of how much Ireland win by on Saturday. Yeah, um, Rory just said there you could debate about uh, the Curon. Foley selection at fullback. He's played six times for Leinster this season. I think it comes with a lot of logic, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Six of his nine starts for Leinster this season have come at fullback. Um, he's the most experienced fullback left in the squad, at least at provincial level. Um, 
I know he only came on for a minute or two minutes in Marseille, but he did come on at fullback, Hugo Keenan. I think a lot of people even forget that he, he did come on and um, Calvin Nash went off injured and it was Hugo Keenan who went to the, the right wing. So um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think if Jimmy O'Brien and Mac Hansen would have been fit, you might have seen maybe um, a little bit of a shuffle there. But look, Kieran Frawley, like we, we speak about Kieran Frawley's versatility quite a lot in terms of it, you know, being a hindrance. I mean, I was over in New Zealand in 22 and he said he told us before the second Maori game he didn't want to be a jack of all trades now we're a couple of years on and I would say he still is a jack of all trades he wants to be playing 10 Leinster clearly think that the two Byrne brothers are ahead of him in the pecking order Sam Prendergast is coming now so his versatility actually works in his favour this weekend Ironically, it didn't for that Italy game because, like, harshly enough, I thought he got nudged out of the squad when he, like I mentioned, he was included for Marseille. So, look, it's a big opportunity for him. Um, I'm really excited to see how he goes and what it does for Ireland's attack because I think one of the one of the big improvements in Hugo Keenan's game, I think, over the last couple of years has been his ability uh, to step up as first and second receiver. He's far more comfortable doing that now, but for all he has a natural 10, it's going to come even more natural for him so I think it opens huge possibilities for this Ireland attack I'd be surprised if they don't play two-sided with Jack Crowley Frawley like that's going to keep the Welsh defence totally on its toes in terms of what Ireland are going to throw at them so um I'm excited to see what he does. I know he do- doesn't have the maybe the pace that Hugo Keenan has, but I think you know he, he's a Not good. Not many do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like in his order fitness. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say he's yeah. one, Hugo Keenan is one of the fittest people, um, definitely in the the Ireland squad, probably along with James at Gibson Park. But um, look, Hugo Keenan is such a special talent and. I don't know, whatever, like it's been, it's been tricky trying to report on Hugo Keenan's injury over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you'd agree, Rod, that, you know, we went to the press conference on Tuesday and you have an Ireland coach saying that, oh, they're going to give him every opportunity. Whereas the information that we would have had for the last couple of weeks was that Hugo Keenan is possibly facing a few weeks out, let alone playing this week. So just in case any listeners are wondering, I mean, we can only report what, you know, we're being told by the IRFU, but, um, Anyone who has been reading, I think, will have seen that we did flag last week. Uh, that Ringrose is the same. Ringrose so they kept Ringrose, same, yeah. like I heard Ringrose was going to be was going to miss the first two games and be a doubt for the third game, and that, so it's proved he's back training. They expect him to be back for England, but yeah, they've taken a policy this year. I don't know why of, of kind of just keeping everyone in the camp and, and issuing very well they don't issue injury updates often and when they do they didn't even mention Hugo Keenan in their injury update during the week which I think is a disservice to, to fans um, we've had a fairly firm line on both of those players so far you know Doris had a knock this week I think it was to his calf Keen. Um and obviously that stressed you out because you were down in Ballina yesterday preparing a big feature on him for Saturday but it's um like, you know, I think personally just think that there should be more transparency around this stuff and, and it should be clearer as to, you know, I understand why you might keep your cards up your sleeves a little bit. On, on Frawley, like, I don't think he's the most experienced fullback in the squad. I mean, Jordan mm. Larmour started the World Cup pool game against Scotland. Now, it was a different cycle and, and, and everything like that, but he did play very well. And, and him and Stockdale have started against Ireland in that position under Andy Farrell, but it's just a sign of how far both but of those players have started. recent experience, he's six yeah. nine starts this season, is, sorry, is, is my point, I should clarify. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I, like, I, I do think that you're right that it's a logical selection because those players. I mean, Stockdale's just not playing well, and he's just a symptom of what's gone on in Ulster the last couple of years. And Larmer, you know, for a player who was, you know, arguably should have kept his place after that game in 2019 when he was really good against Scotland in really tough conditions under the high ball, has lost his way in that department. And obviously, they just can't really trust him to 
to be that player anymore at fullback and that's really like difficult for them the other option I guess would have been to play Harry Byrne on Jack Crowley no. which I finished really well last time and, and that, that double pivot really really worked for them in those last 10 minutes but why would you move Jack Take Crowley at this from, yeah. yeah so Farrell, like I think Farrell was a bit kind of not critical but he wasn't overly happy with how Crowley went if I'm thinking off the top of my head in his press conference he kind of said that he said that After Crowley yeah he said the fullback, Crowley, yeah. yeah when that he was. went fullback he lost his way a little bit so I'd be very much on Sinead's kind of page no, here I agree, I think. Yeah, like I, you just have to play Jack Crowley as a tenant of course it's an option but you've mentioned Larmer and Stockdale there like Larmer had a or sorry Stockdale had a horror show in the Osprey against the Ospreys on Sunday and all the things that we've been talking about is concentration just like but you just can't like look if we're being honest he's lucky to be in the squad in my yeah, opinion like the, the next best fullbacks in Ireland are both at Munster so like if you're if you're looking for like for like for Hugo Keane and you're looking at Simon Zebo I think he's still struggling with an injury and yep. Mike Haley who's just returned from injury and I think Mike Haley had he not been injured would have really justifiable claims for that 15 jersey but he's missed the whole season he's only just back so um, like he is the next like for like replacement so you're kind of it's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole and I'm not convinced that Frawley has the pace to play international yeah, level of fullback. Yeah, is that where Juan Gatlin might be licking his lips? Well, he will be, like but does he, he have the tools? Like, does Sam Costello mm-hmm. have the tools to unlock that back three? I'm not sure. We don't know enough about this Wales team yet to say that they do. Like, they haven't been... Like they're getting you know fairly easy ride, but like you know they're a poor team, deve- you know poor young team developing. They've lost two games. They have they've only won one Six Nations game under Warren Gatland since he's come back, and that was against Italy. So like there's yes they can probe and they can ask questions of Kieran Frawley, but they have to kind of get to him first. They have to get the ball off Ireland first. Like they have Tommy Rafael, who's probably you know arguably the best seven in the tournament, um, but he can't do it on his own. I think Ireland will target him. So yes, it's a weak a potential weakness and. The caveat to that is that Ireland have always, under Andy Farrell, certainly for the last two years, been able to throw players in and it's always worked. You know, Calvin Nash in, in Marseille, I had my doubts about him as an international winger. Well, I, I eat my words now. You know, Jack Crowdy's just come in and stepped up automatically, you know, like seamlessly. John McCarthy, you know, anyone he's tried so far has thrived. And you'd imagine the work that they've done in training the last couple of weeks. They've been testing Kieran Frawley in that regard. That's the key, isn't it? Frawley, okay, it's a big test from the biggest test of his career, but he's not being thrown in as such because he's been part of the squad for the last couple of years. I mentioned there he was in New Zealand, albeit he was playing 10 in those two Maori games, but I'm sure he was running plenty at full back as well just to cover all bases. So I think that's one of the beauties. You're so right to highlight, highlight it, Rod, in Farrell's selection is that all these guys who he throws in have been in the system. Calvin Nash, he was on the Emerging Ireland Tour to South Africa. Okay, it wasn't with the senior players, but it was with the senior coaches. So they know the levels that these players can hit before they throw them into the deep. And that doesn't happen by accident. So we know back to the 6-2 split, as we mentioned, Conor Murray's on that bench, Stuart McCloskey's on that bench as well. Peter Mahoney's back as captain. Our colleague, uh, Murray Kinsella, had the story in the 42 today that it looks like Munster are about to offer uh, Peter O'Mahony and Conor Murray a I new contract. The, the, the story is that the contracts have been offered. And um, like, I, I I think as soon as Peter Armani became Ireland captain, this was inevitable, certainly in his regard. I think Murray's a more complicated picture because he doesn't start for Munster. He's arguably more important to Ireland than he is to Munster right now. You know, um, he obviously is a very senior player down there, you know, and one of their all-time greats in his position, if not their all-time great as number nine, but he isn't the starting number nine. 
and his influence has waned. Craig Casey's kind of taken the shirt off him and, and plays longer and longer each game. But like Mer- O'Mahony still sets the sets the agenda down in Munster. He's still the you know when he came back over in Toulon that time he was so influential. And Ty Burns spoke afterwards that even though he was captain, he delegated or or he felt that O'Mahony eased the burden of leadership on his shoulders. And as long as Peter O'Mahony is able to tog out and play to his best, he'll still be a pivotal figure for Munster. And he might, he kind of resigned the captaincy. You know, we, we understand, I think that, you know, he, under, he, he took, he basically stepped down as captain after the contract debacle. Um, Does he and, get the captaincy back if he signs a new contract? I doubt it. I think he's pretty happy enough now. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's kind of, that, that maybe that's a weight off his shoulder. He did it for a long time, but I think he was disrespected by the way, the way it all played out. And, there's been a bit of, but I think as soon as, sorry, as soon as Farrell appointed him captain, he would have put it in the works. I think this, the line in the piece um, that, this, you know, I think the RFU will top up the salaries, which, you know, they're not centrally contracted, but they're not, you know, it's not all on Munster smart, either. isn't it? That's smart business. They did the same for Simon Zebo when he came back. It makes, it makes sense. For, Jaeger as well, I think. But, but why wasn't it done earlier? Like, why has it been let go till I, February I, I, I to start I don't know. This? I presume Munster were trying to play hardball in terms of trying to keep, because they're obviously going to have to absorb the two players' salaries and, okay, they're in the autumn of their career, but they're still going to be commanding significant chunk of the wage bill so look I think it's a win-win situation for everyone the the idea that Peter O'Mahony would have been left you know leave Munster at the end of the season having just been named Munster captain I think would have probably caused riots down in Munster and Cork it just didn't make any sense I agree I agree with Murray but I still think he shows his value time and time again for Ireland and and for Munster I know um, Roundtree obviously prefers Craig Casey at the moment but that's not the case for, it, it, for it's Ireland. just he's going to be a very expensive substitute and and that's I think where Munster are struggling a little bit you know I've heard a rumour and I can't corroborate it but like, you know that, that maybe an overseas signing might fall through as a result of this because the you know the burden of, of pay has come onto them so they can't afford to go to the market because things are tight in Munster and Ulster particularly at the moment and they have been a Connacht in fairness who have been probably cutting their cloth better than any other Irish province over the last couple of years so it is you know Joey Carberry has been a very expensive um, luxury for Munster for the last couple of years because he's no longer an Ireland player he's no longer the starting 10 and and Murray you know will be on a very good salary you, you would think given his status in the game as a lion but he spoke you know you were talking to him on Tuesday about how he wants to go on and emulate Johnny Sexton so I suppose it's up to him to become a starter yeah. again yeah. and that's not beyond the realms of possibility I know he's had a couple of injuries over the years but he could definitely play at least 38 <clears throat> excuse me but I think it's the experience that they both bring as well. Um, we've seen it throughout this season for Munster when Peter O'Mahony wasn't there. There was a real lack of leadership, particularly over away in Exeter and those le- le- big leads that they were coughing up in the second half. So um, I think it was imperative that Munster found a way to keep them. And I think the IRFU, if that is the case, as was reported, topping up their salaries, I think makes a lot of sense for everyone. It's a win-win. And Andy Farrell, you know, he's a very good, good selector and he values the input of these players and he values the experience of these players. And he has backed Conor Murray and Conor Murray has repaid his faith in, in a load of games coming off the bench. He's a very calming presence coming into those games. Often Ireland are leading. They need. He's a good defender. He's a good decision maker. He's a good kicker. His passing's very good. He's still a very, very good scrum half. He might not be the, the player he was in you know, his glory days around 2016 when I think I gave him 10 out of 10 against the All Blacks in Chicago. He was exceptional that day. But he's still a big contributor to this this whole squad and can be for Munster. I mean, they play a faster game now. Maybe he has to adapt for that adapt to that but really you couldn't say that any of the scrum halves coming through 
are putting enough pressure on him. Even Casey, I don't think, grabbed this chance really against Italy. There's a reason Murray's been picked on the bench and he covers 10. So if you're going to go 6-2, he's a better option. 10 out of 10. Jeez, that is... <laughs> wonderful. Well, I, was, I was just thinking, like, you're like the Lekeep ratings so where you give out twos and threes. I've awesome at this stage. Yeah, jeez, a 10 out of 10. Conor Murray must have that pinned up in his wall, I'd say. <laughs> Um, anything else from the team selection before we... I, I think it's worth mentioning that Stuart McCloskey is yes, the one covering on the bench because as Rod was he saying... He did well against it. He, he did excellent and, and Gary Ringrose, as we've seen and heard, is back fully fit now. But what mm. a message that that sends mm. out to, to Stuart McCloskey and the rest of the squad by Andy Farrell. Look, I think Robbie Henshaw has been outstanding in the first two games. He was excellent for Leinster and Welford Road uh, just before the Six Nations as well. But I still think Guy Ringrose is Ireland's best 13 and that's just no no slide on Robbie Henshaw whatsoever. But I think this is a smart... like We've we touched on this a lot about how clever Farrell is in terms of like his emotional intelligence by reading the dressing room and knowing which buttons to, to press. And I think this is a great message to send out. Imagine would, the confidence it just gives him as well. Absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ringrose comes in to the mix for Twickenham. As I understand it, he's, he's, okay. you know, he, tra- he has trained yeah. and he's just, he's just not quite ready. But at the same time, I think McCluskey earned that spot. He he did, the yeah. only thing he doesn't give you Versus is coverage. So you 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 know you have Foley so you 15, look at it. Yeah. Foley can go into the centre. That's not needed because you got McCluskey. Foley's ten and fifteen. I presume Gibson Park will go on to the wing if they need. That's him. the one caveat in this particular six two that if one of the wingers gets injured, you're in a bit of bother then. But in the Scotland game at the World Cup, Gibson Park played wonderfully on the wing. Mm. So and you know he has the, the capacity to do it. Now you don't want him doing it for an hour. Like you know yeah. if one of the wingers goes down early, then you might be. What in, if Foley goes on early? Foley goes down early. Crowley, Crowley go yeah. back. Yeah. Well, no, who's to be a ten? Yeah. Murray a ten. Yeah, they could do that. Robbie Henshaw? You could put, yeah. For the first time since 2019, which is the last time Ireland lost in front of a crowd at the Aviva Stadium. So, yeah. um, That's a conundrum, man. Like, that is, Joe Schmidt would never have picked this, this, um, this, this particular bench because Joe used to always work from what could go wrong and like Felix Jones overthought was, it almost over, I, I, yeah you could say it was certainly safety first yeah. and I mean Felix Jones got a, got a lot of bench appearances because he he covered a lot of positions and also he was a left footed kicker in the backfield and Joe went into a real level of detail about why he picked him ahead of some other players so Farrell is going more about like what can I bring off the bench I mean it's a meaty bench it's oh. probably the biggest bench Ireland have ever picked what are we um, thinking with that bench uh, absolutely but then uh, I mean it's it's a lot stronger than the Welsh bench that's mm. that's that's for sure and it, you know if if they're in trouble after an hour or even if they're in the balance it, it's such a weapon to be able to send on Jack Owen and Ryan Baird and, and James Ryan I mean all three were very good against Italy as well as as was McCluskey um so it's you know it's about what the, he's thinking what can this bench bring whereas other coaches will think you know the risks and we have seen the risk out here to lose a couple of years ago they lost a centre and DuPont ended up playing out of position and they were really weakened by it so it can go wrong and that is the risk you always take with 6-2 but the upside is so clear I'm surprised they went 6-2 for, for this particular game I can understand the logic Do you think it's because, because they didn't need to? Yeah I don't think they needed to I think you could have had a Jordan Armour or whatever on the bench and avoided the potential scenarios that we're talking about but I think it speaks to probably the mindset and the philosophy that this Ireland team are just going to look to batter Wales. Uh, I think the big difference between them is going to be up front and I think we're going to see that from the start and then when he rolls on the players that Rod is talking about, that's where you're going to, I think they could pull away. You it know? plays to Ireland's strengths as a squad though now mm. because they don't, like really as you, as you started talking about McCluskey at 23 I was trying to think who really deserves to be there ahead of him and if Ringrose isn't fit, 
he couldn't make the case for Larmer or Stockdale. Really, it was harsh you know? that Larmer got on. I felt at outside centre against Italy. That's I think true. he would have preferred to have gotten a, gotten a shot on the wing, where realistically that's where. But he's if you weigh him up against Ryan Baird, which yeah, is probably the decision, yeah. like what Baird brings brings off the bench is so key, and also Omahani, you know, yeah. has some sort of an injury the last couple of weeks that we don't know about. So does you know he might come off after an hour. You're bringing on Baird's line out prowess, his carrying, his tackling. He's been really good in, in the two games so far. Conan's been excellent. James Ryan is. is still pissed off going into this game I'd say he's just perennially annoyed at the moment and it's coming out in his performances because he was good against Italy as well so I, I think you're, I think it's really leaning into where Ireland are at, at their strongest at the moment and that's in the back five of the scrum Okay well you put yourselves in uh, Warren Gatlin's shoes so he's coming here they haven't won a Six Nations game here since 2012 Ireland have won 38 of the last uh, 40 test matches at home um, obviously England 2019 France in 2021 uh, they've won here so they're on a run of 17 consecutive test wins how is Warren Gatland framing this game? What is he saying to them? I yeah, to be the the party poopers, I presume. You know, to to end Ireland's unbeaten run, to stop them winning a potential Grand Slam. Um, look, if you, I was writing about this earlier this week. If you want to take the glass half full approach when it comes to Wales, okay, they've lost their opening two games, but it's been by a margin of three points. There has been flashes of positivity in there, apart from the first half, obviously against Scotland in round one. So look, he's back in a new crop of players. You've got Cameron Winnett at fullback. Daffit Jenkins is obviously the captain. Um, Coslo coming back in at 10. Rudd mentioned Tommy Raphael, okay? He's not not the youngest. So there has been little bits of positivity here and there, but... I mean, he's going to have to give some rousing team speech, I think, for for his players to realistically believe that they can beat this Ireland team. Like you mentioned, Sinead, they've become so difficult to beat um, here at the Aviva Stadium. So um, when they look at the, the starting team, the quality that's going to be rolled off the bench, I mean, we're going to find out shortly if Finley Bealham is injured. I would probably assume that he is because I thought he was very good against Italy as well. I couldn't see him being dropped from the from the 23. But yeah, like it's a massive, massive tall order for, for Wales to upset the odds here. It's hard to see it happening though, isn't it? Yeah, I think tactically it's going to be about the breakdown. And, you know, I heard James Tracy say during the week that Wales... Um, Wales' opponents have had the slowest breakdown in this tournament, whereas Ireland had the quickest ball. And Ireland play off lightning quick ball all the time. So if you're going to try and negate what Ireland do, you know, South Africa are the template, you know, and we'll see that probably in two weeks' time when Felix Jones, coach defence, goes after Ireland. But they have, even though Ireland have won their two games against South Africa, they've probably done the best job at, at shutting Ireland down. Um, so Rafael is key. I think he'll go after Ireland's ball. But I do ex- expect Ireland to almost treat him the way Leinster treated Ty Byrne when he was playing for Scarlets against him a couple of years ago when they just when he was the best um, player in, in a Scarlet setup, but he was the biggest threat over the ball, and they just blitzed him. They'll try and make him. Lancer did that to Rafael a couple of weeks ago in at yeah. Welford Road. I mean, he did get one or two poaches, if memory serves, but they just yeah. they went after him big time because they know the threat that he has. I think they'll try and keep the ball on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I think they'll try and not give away any penalties, which is hard against Ireland because Ireland keep the ball through a lot of phases and um, force you to to try and you know get off the ground. And if you stray offside, they'll put you into the corner. But Gatland's team have been the most disciplined in the tournament so far. So there is a um, you know if you don't give Ireland line outs can they score off off, off other phase, uh, phases um, we don't know yet because really they've been given a lot of line outs in their two games so far and, and it has to be said that Italy and, and France weren't very good against Ireland in the two games so we have to apply some kind of breaks to the I suppose what Ireland can do but really uh, with this team um, with this halfback pairing with this this, the kind of callowness of that pack can you see them living with Ireland physically across 80 minutes even if they deny Ireland the access that we're talking about Ireland can still play through them Ireland can still vary the way they play 
Um, I think Ireland have better tactical kickers. I think Frawley, one strength he'll bring is to be able to pop up a 15, both as a playmaker, but also as a tactical kicker. Um, it's I think Ireland just have way too, too many strengths for Wales to counter, even though Wales will come with a plan. And Gatland is good at coming up with a plan, but last year they just blitzed Wales and it was over. The, the scrum will be interesting as well, because I think previously <clears throat> Gatland would have had the cattle to go after this Irish scrum in particular Andrew Porter, but when you look at the, the front row that he's picked there, it's hard to see it happening, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, uh, let's just get a few of the thoughts of Andy Farrell from today's press conference. Obviously, we had a few injuries last time and uh, there's a, a few injuries uh, this time round as well. Uh, those guys who were not fit to play um, against Italy have used their time well and uh, fit and rowing to go, so that freshens things up a, a, a little bit and... Having said that, I think it's a it's a it's a good side, you know. So it's uh, it's one that's that we've uh, um, excited to to see take the field on Saturday. Some of the, the new faces, some of them are new, but Crawley um, uh, coming in at, at fullback and Ali Yeager on, on the bench. Can you tell us about those players? What you see in them and, and why you chose them? Well, it's uh, I, I think first and foremost, it's it's always a, a pleasure to to give somebody their debut, um, but. Uh, I think this is a special one because it's a special story in, in Oli. Um, in fact, uh, I've had a couple of conversations with him over the years in, when we was over in um, in New Zealand. I, I met him about his plans, etc., and, uh, um, and and where that sat. Um, but he was content enough because he was building uh, uh, a really nice life for himself over there and doing unbelievably well for the Crusaders. Um, but he showed his ambition to come back to, to, to Ireland and make a claim for uh, a spot in, in um, playing, for, playing for his country. So we've, we've, we've had him earmarked for a while, but watching him start his career in Ireland at Munster and how that's gone, and then giving him the opportunity to come to Portugal with us. And, um, and he's had a few more weeks uh, since then in the squad. We've been nothing but impressed. You know, he's a, he's a big man. Uh, uh, very low maintenance, um, a proper man's man, you know. Uh, uh, the Tash says it all, doesn't it? And uh, um, he's he's very knowledgeable, well coached, um, and for a big man, he gets around the field and got a good feel. So um, he deserves his chance. I thought coming into camp and then uh, transferring that to his performance against the Scarlets, where he, he not actually played for for quite some time, actually. Uh, was was pretty impressive, so we're excited for him to to uh, to show what he's got on Saturday. Um, and then for for Frawls, his first Six Nations start, um, uh, exciting for him. You know, he's uh, he's always been in and around the squad and, and pushing, and you know the the versatility uh, that Frawls has got uh, has always probably earmarked him for. Um, a bench spot, etc. But he's always been waiting for this chance. Hugo doesn't get injured too much, does he? Um, so, uh, I look, his skill set is 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 fantastic, um, and I'm sure that he's uh, it's a big week for him. You know, so there'll be a test of his temperament. But he's playing in a good side. I'm sure that he'll take his chance. 
Okay, before we move on to the other games this weekend, uh, just a quick word on the Dan McFarlane story uh, from yesterday that Brendan Fanning broke and it was confirmed by Ulster. Then later yesterday, obviously, Richie Murphy will take up uh, the role uh, till the end of the season after the under-20s. Sum up what, you know, McFarlane's time and who's the man to take it on in a permanent role, do you think? Good question. I know Brendan has floated the name Ian Foster and I think that would be a an ambitious appointment if, if they could afford to go and get That'd him. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, but like, wow. that's the calibre, I think, of, of figure that you're really looking at now. It. You know, I think Ulster, you know, Stuart McCluskey's on the bench tomorrow. They didn't have any players for the first time in the history of Irish rugby. They had no one in the match day, match day squad for an international uh, in Marseille. They're really not pulling their weight as an organisation. And, you know, it is supposed to be uh, some of the, the RFU and Irish rugby is supposed to be a team of us, some of our parts, four power provinces, whichever um, marketing slogan you want to use. They, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, they've produced a number of exciting backs who all have plateaued. Um, I think McFarland did an excellent job stabilising Ulster when he first came in. We, we all remember Brian O'Driscoll describing him as a, as a basket case. It was in the wake of the trial, which was hugely damaging. I think they'd lost a lot of public goodwill. And within months, he was competing out here for, you know, within Jacob Stockdale putting the ball down and Ross Burns' late kick of beating Leinster, the reigning champions in a European game and got to semi-finals and finals and, and it just grew stale. And I think Jared Payne moving on was was damaging. And, and overall, I think he did a good job for three years, possibly should have got out while the going was good, stayed on for another couple of years, signed a new deal. But last year was difficult. It was poor. They never really hit the, the levels they'd hit against Munster in that URC quarterfinal when they blitzed Johan van Graan's team in their last game. And this season's been really awful. Now, I was across the road a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago when they beat Leinster. So there was, that was a, it turns out that was a dead cat bounce, but like they were good that night and they have good players. And, you know, they've got Dave McCann. I think McNabney's a good player. They have some talent coming through, but our, like Ireland should be looking at James Hume, Mike Lowry, Robert Balakoon as contenders. None of them are in the Ireland squad right now. And that speaks volumes for how they've plateaued under this coaching ticket and just need a fresh voice. So Murphy goes in there, has earned that that right, but I think he might need an experienced voice with him as well as a, either a DO or, or something like that. And, you know, look, Foster's just a name being, being thrown out at the moment, but he's the kind of calibre of candidate. Like Razzy Erasmus at Munster in 2016, this this job, this needs a, a big um, personality because Ulster needs to start pulling its weight. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with, with any of that. Um I suppose on a human level, it's it, it's sad to see someone lose their job. Particularly, it's unusual for Irish rugby during a season. I know yeah. Rassi and you know left during Matt a season. Really Matt O'Connor, yeah, yeah Rassi was obviously different circumstances. But I don't know. We only get to deal with I suppose Dan McFarland a few times um, a season, and I don't know what he's like behind the scenes with the players. But publicly, he always felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He was quite chippy in his, um, you know, dealings with the media and things like that. So I don't know how that's reflected behind the scenes in the players. There's a lot of, you know, the discontent that you've been hearing about. There's no smoke without fire. Like something I'd been hearing was that, you know, there was no one sort of part of his coaching staff who were able to not stand up to him, but maybe to challenge different things that he was doing that everyone was just kind of under. Now, of course, the head coach or director of rugby, whatever you want to say, should be have the final say, but maybe he needed another voice in there. Maybe that was the Jared Payne or Dwayne Peel when they were there. And they never really replaced them, you'd have to say, um, on the coaching ticket. So look, Ulster 
is an attractive club to go to. It's going to be very interesting to see who is on the shortlist. I mean, you look at the stadium. I know there's a few issues or talks of up to 10 players possibly leaving at the end of the season, um, which is tricky. So you obviously they've got budgetary issues there. Are they going to be able to strengthen the squad? But generally speaking, it's a good club. It's run well. They do have a good academy system. They have started producing more young players in the last couple of years in terms of the Irish 20s and things like that. But you're right, Rudd. They need to be doing a hell of a lot more. Not having any Ulster players in an Ireland squad is pretty damning as a, for the province as a whole. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so Ireland against Wales here at the Viva Stadium, 2.15 on Saturday. Scotland against England at Murrayfield at 4.45 on Sunday. And France against Italy then on Sunday. Sorry, England against uh, Scotland at Murrayfield at 4.45 on Saturday. By the end of the weekend, will it be England also still going for that Grand Slam for round four? I don't think so. I think Scotland at home will be uh, the stronger proposition. I think they've they've had the, the upper hand in this fixture for the last couple of years. They're kicking the ball a bit too much for my liking. Scotland, they kick the ball more than anyone else in the tournament. And while Russell has a great boot and they're bringing Blair Kinghorn back this week, I would like to see them, like they have got great running threats out wide. I'd like to see them play a little bit more. Um, but I don't, like they'll find the holes that Italy and Wales found and they'll find them with, uh, and they'll, they'll be able to finish their chances much, much better, I think, than, than those two teams. So I think Scotland have, like, I think it'll be a tight game. I don't think it'll be easy by any means. And England could get a result quite conceivably, but I, I think Scotland can get a result and keep their hopes alive. Yeah, Blair Kinghorn being back is huge. Yeah. I think for him, yeah. I mean, his move to Toulouse, he's looked brilliant, brilliant. Um, in yeah. Toulouse in the Champions Cup. He's really fitted in there well. Um, yeah, like, I mean, we sat here in these exact same seats a couple of weeks ago and I said that I couldn't wait for the rugby that was going to be on the, the following day and it was absolutely atrocious. Terrible. But this England-Scotland game on paper looks like it should be a cracker. I find it very tough to call, actually. Maybe home advantage, like Rod said, might tip it in Scotland's favour, like I said, Kinghorn back. I think they have a better... They have a good recent record against England. They have a good Arizona, recent yeah. record. Um, Gregor Townsend's re- record against England as a coach is very good. They've got an excellent attack. And like I said, when you're bringing a player like Kinghorn back into it, they might be able to expose that rush defence that, you know, Italy weren't able to um, in the opening round. So, yeah, I, I just hope that it's not a damn squib as it was um, a couple of weeks ago. We don't get to see it anyway, Kim. We'll be in here doing press conferences. Oh, well, so. yeah, we're, on, we're going to be under the thumb to try and get this out as quickly as possible so we can watch it. But, um, yeah, whatever the opposite to Super Saturday the last time, what that was. So I'm more optimistic for, uh, what would I say? Calcutta Cup. Yeah, a supreme Saturday maybe this, oh, this weekend. Jesus. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. With that, are we done? Are we done? I think we're done here. I think that well, is finished. Does anyone think Italy could be France? If it was uh, in, if it was in, Fr- if it was no in way. Italy, maybe. That's been awful. Yeah, I know, if it was in no Italy, I w- you know, but... England, like, like Italy came within three points of England and while they, what I was impressed by here a but couple of weeks ago yeah. was that the fact that they stayed in the game for, for 80 minutes and, and France have gone so far back to the pack they were so poor in Murrayfield I mean it's two more weeks they look like a really unhappy camp and they've just spent two more weeks together so does that revive them or does that make them even worse I, I don't think they're going to beat them but I think they could scare them and if they get up up ahead of steam isn't too laggy going to be playing yeah, you know, I think starting too laggy he's not mobile enough for me yeah. at this level like they brought on players the last time who didn't look conditioned enough Um I just don't know what has happened. Like France looked like the team of 10 years ago rather than the team of the last two couple of years. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I think Italy could give them a scare. Oh, I think I heard you saying Italy are going to be France. Think, yeah, just, I think just you your, did. Your yeah, yeah. It's Supreme Saturday, so <laughs> <laughs> I know what we'll be cutting out and putting on YouTube. <laughs> oh my God, that's terrible. Right, that is it from us. We will be back with another podcast after the game on Saturday, so we'll chat to you then. 